Hello and welcome to episode 167 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom and Omnipod. You can use the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com to find out more about both of these great products. You can also type into the browser if you want, myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Quick note, this is episode 167. 168 also went up at the same time. So if you don't have it, check for it. It is my Dexcom G6 review with the Senior Vice President of R&D from Dexcom, Jake Leach. So it's not your average review show. It's way better. We dig deep into a ton of stuff. Just go get it. I promise. It's really good. Today's episode is with Lisa Poole. Lisa's Juniper's mom. You might know Lisa from Instagram, where she runs an incredibly vibrant and exciting page called T1 Junebug. Let me just leave a little silence here for all you T1 Junebug fans to maybe hoot and holler a little bit in your car. Go ahead. Woo woo. This episode is really cool. We're going to talk about a lot of different things about management style and, and you know type 1 diabetes in general and a little bit of Juniper and Lisa's story. But also, Lisa at some point moved Juniper to a low-carb lifestyle and then moved her back from it. So you're going to get to hear about that entire experience. Being diagnosed, eating regularly, then going low-carb, then coming back from low-carb. Nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast, of course, should be considered advice medical. Otherwise, always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. Here is Lisa. T1 Junebug. Super early here where I am, so hopefully I don't sound too tired. What time is it? <laughs> yeah, it's six in the morning here. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. It's not like we get sleep anyways. <laughs> oh my god. I, I oh I feel terrible. No, no. I, I usually get up at six anyways, but I, I got up at five and grabbed a coffee and left my house because it's noisy in my house. Oh no kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> you're good. I am Lisa Poole. Um I have five children. My youngest daughter is Juniper. She has type 1 diabetes. Um, she is five. She'll be six in about three weeks. Okay. Juniper six. How old's your oldest? Five. Oh, five. Almost six. Excuse me. Right. Uh, how old's your oldest? Uh, my oldest is 17. I have two boys, 15, 17. Wow. And I have three girls who are Juniper, five. Uh, Addie is eight and Penelope is 10. Oh my gosh. Very nice. That's a lovely family. Um, I have to ask right off the bat from my um, experience with the podcast. Are you a Mormon? No. no. Okay. <laughs> Every time someone comes on here, they're like, they have like 9,000 kids. I'm like, you're a Mormon, right? <laughs> right? No, we don't live in Utah. We live in San Diego. We had two kids and then we had three and why not go for four? And then and then we had five, and we're like, wow, we are crazy. Like, <laughs> it is total chaos. I think the weather must be too nice there or something. You need some, uh, you yeah, need some, some other, you need some like depressing months or something like that where everybody just looks <laughs> at each other and, like, no, no, thank you. Right? <laughs> no, they are great kids, but they're, um, it's, uh, there's always something. Yeah, no kidding. So, okay, so Juniper's, um, she's diagnosed when? So she was diagnosed right after her second birthday. Arden was exactly the same. We were about three weeks after her birthday, I think. Um, yeah, we were about two months after her birthday. Okay. Wow. Um, uh, not uh, not on our radar at all, of course. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if it's the, on anyone's ever. Yeah, yeah. No one's like, you know what I think's coming this year? 
<laughs> we're going to get that <laughs> sidewalk fixed and someone's going to get diabetes. Right, right. So, right. No, I, no, I hear you. It was, did it present in basic, the basic ways? Looking back, it was all very clear symptoms, you know, during. Um, it was probably like a, a two-week buildup where I look back and the symptoms are crystal clear. Yeah. Um, but it was summer. It was August. Um, it was really hot out. And I was like, huh, she's drinking a lot. And, um, and that just kind of kept increasing. And then she was sleeping in our bed with us still. And uh, she would wake up in the morning and her pajamas would just be soaked. Like she would soak through her diapers. And I thought, oh, she needs some bigger diapers. And she's outgrown that size. So we got bigger diapers and she continued to do it. And um, I think it was the night before she was diagnosed, she woke up just crying for water. And drank an entire sippy cup of water, like in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, it didn't quite click that something serious was going on. Um, the next day, I remember we went to Starbucks because you need a lot of coffee with five kids. <laughs> and uh, all my kids wanted to get a, a hot chocolate. And June sat there and chugged a hot chocolate, which was another, like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. And, um, it wasn't until the day, the day she was diagnosed, my husband took her out of the house um, to go visit some friends. And so I had a quiet moment to Google some of her symptoms. And, and that's when it all started to kind of come together. But I still, you know, she was playing and acting healthy and she didn't look sick. Um, she was kind of cranky, but, you know, two-year-olds are cranky. Yeah. Yeah, well, and plus um, you have five kids. You must have thought one of them is going to be a clunker personality-wise. Maybe it's just her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She was always pleasant, but I thought, you know, I wrote everything you can write off as something else. Like the crankiness. I was like, she's teething. She's not sleeping well. Um, it wasn't until the night before we went to a back-to-school event for my older kids, and she was crying for water, and they had food trucks. And so I'm searching for water, and they've sold out of water. And so they have this like little juice soda thing that I, I thought, okay, my three girls can share it. Mm-hmm. And June just sat there chugging it. And another lady noticed and she said, wow, she is so thirsty. And that's when I thought that's, you know, when someone else is noticing that your kid is <laughs> excessively thirsty, maybe there's a problem. Yeah. So I, I started Googling and, um, you know, had that quiet moment and it's still, I, it just was not on my radar that my two year old could possibly have diabetes. Um, but I called her pediatrician anyways, and I, and I told the nurse, I said, these are her symptoms. Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't feel super concerned, but I feel like maybe we should um, see what's going on. And mm-hmm. she didn't seem super concerned. Um, and we were going into a holiday weekend, so it was a three-day weekend. And we couldn't make it into the office before they closed. So she said, just come in on Tuesday morning, and we'll see what's going on. And thank goodness... The doctor called me back after the office closed. It was about 5.30. And he said, you know, I would just feel a little better if you would just take her to an urgent care near you and ask them to check her her blood sugar. And I was like, okay. And uh, we still not really concerned. I left. uh, We had just arrived to the pool because it's middle of summer Mm -hmm. with all five kids and my husband and I said, I'll be right back. I'm just going to run her down the street. It was literally like a mile away. Yeah. Um, we're going to get her checked out, and we'll be right back, and we'll come swim. <laughs> and um, there was still so. no part of you. It was like, don't put the other four kids in the pool just yet, just in case. No, no, no. no. no they, you were, were really, they were already yeah. swimming. I gotcha. was like, I don't want to ruin your fun. We'll be right back. 
we arrived at urgent care and I could tell the doctor there seemed like I was a little bit wacky. Like my two-year-old looked fine. She was not acting sick, um, but she humored me and said we would check her urine and she was still in diapers. So they, um, they put like a little collection bag in there so mm-hmm. they can, they can test. And uh, she came back and I just, the whole, her whole demeanor had changed and um she didn't say anything about the test. She just said, so we're going to do a finger poke and just um, see what that says. And so they did a finger poke. Um, they actually did a toe poke. Right. And uh, the meter just read high. Yeah. And now they're scrambling around looking for the pamphlet that comes with the meter to see what <laughs> high even means. Because I don't think they had ever seen that. And I I knew that was bad. I had no idea what a blood sugar reading should be. Um, but I knew it shouldn't be high. Was it, I, I, um, I remember saying on here once, and I think I've said it here, but when we did it with Arden's, we, went, we ran out and bought a meter and the high was HI, like it was, the screen was so small. Right. Didn't have, and I, and I, I literally, when it happened, I thought, oh, how cool is that, that they make it's the meter, like say hello to you before it tells you <laughs> what your blood sugar is. And I kept staring at it going, now when's the number coming? Um, so I, yeah. I thought about going to buy a meter, but I thought, I don't know what a blood sugar, I'm, I'm not going to know how to interpret that number because I had no, I had no clue. Right. Um, and so at that point, um, she said, so your, your daughter has type one diabetes. We think we're going to, we want you to go straight to children's hospital. Um, so we, I gathered up my kids from the pool who are still wet and dripping and, um, we threw everyone in the car and dropped them off at their grandparents' house and got her down to children's hospital. Um, and they were waiting for us and, once we got there, I could tell how serious things were. Um, the mood was definitely, um, you know, went from she's totally fine to she is not fine. Um, her blood sugar was over 800 when we wow. when we got admitted. Um, so, yeah, we spent the next four days there. We talked them into letting us leave a day early because our other kids were starting school and we didn't want to miss their first day of school. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, your story is so yeah. incredibly similar to ours. Uh, yeah, I've we, heard you tell Arden's yeah, story and yeah. a lot of a lot of similarities. That really is. That's uh, it's. Um, I don't want to. It's it's. Uh, I don't know what it made me sad. Like when you were telling it, but it wasn't for you. It was for me. I usually I'm empathetic while we're talking. But I was like, oh, this reminds <laughs> me of a bad part of my life. And and everything you said step for step makes sense. Like the idea of writing off things that are right there in your face because it could be something else. That's such a normal thing. Y- it's so you know. easy to do. Yeah. And the symptoms aren't talked about, I don't think, nearly enough. And so I was, I really had never heard any of the symptoms or the fact that my two-year-old could even get diabetes. Um, you know, I, I think there's a huge lack of awareness um, for people who are not connected to the diabetes world somehow. Of course. Yeah. That, uh, like, what symptoms to even look for in a child, um, which is why I, I, I'm always trying to share and... Unfortunately, we had a friend who later on was diagnosed, and she recognized some of those symptoms because we talk about them a lot um, and try and share. And you know, I, I just there needs to be a change in the amount of awareness that's out there, and, and people actually looking for those symptoms. But we did an episode a few weeks ago uh, with Beyond Type One, and and they're really pressing to get uh, posters and information into pediatricians' offices, and, and they're having really good success with what they're doing. So right. I, I listen. Cool. That was that yeah. was amazing. That was really cool. Um, so you get out of the hospital in a couple of days. You ship your other children off to school, and 
what's the next step? Like, how do you begin? To, because it's only three years ago, right? Three-ish years, maybe a little more. Ago. Right. So this summer will be four years for her. Right. So what did they send you um, home with? Did you have a, uh-huh. like, was it needles? Was it pens? What did they give you? So we had needles. Uh, they sent us home on three different insulin. She was doing Lantus, Novolog, and NPH. Um, that was not fun. <laughs> so for a two-year-old, she was on a very strict eating schedule. Mm-hmm. So she really freaked out in the hospital. Like like any two-year-old would, she really hated the shots. Um, like it took a couple of us to have to hold her down and, yeah. and do the shots. And um, it was just, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. And so the, I think their thought was with the NPH, um, we can eliminate a couple of the shots during the day. And so she had very strict eating schedules. So like she had to eat breakfast at seven and she had to have a morning snack at 10 and then she had to eat her lunch at 12 and then she had an afternoon snack at three and then she had her lunch at five and then she had an evening snack. Yeah. For a two-year-old who before this was allowed to just snack when she wanted to, um, you know, she always would just kind of snack through the day. It was, it was really hard. I remember the first week home, um, all the other kids went to school and she wanted a banana, which she had been able to eat the week before. And I had no idea how to dose for it. And it wasn't time for her to eat. And so she laid on the ground and cried for 45 minutes. And I, I literally did not know how to make that happen for her. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't think that a, a strict eating schedule for a, a two-year-old was such a a good idea. Such a fun idea. Now, I, I was just at something this weekend where people were speaking and some people had had diabetes for a long time and they, this one person described the same idea of like, you know, I had to eat at certain times and certain amounts of food, like one starch, one carb, one this, like, like there had to be fat in it. Um, it was actually uh, Curry Sparling. She writes a blog called Six Until May. It's a really popular diabetes blog. And she said that there was supposed to be a certain amount of fat in her diet. And if her mom couldn't figure out how to get the fat in her diet, she would just give her like a tab of butter and make her eat it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> because but because of the same thing right. I think you're describing, like that, like how do I make this happen the way I'm supposed to? And right. you know, that kind of like insecurity and, so- and not knowing, yeah. Yeah, on top of it, each meal had to be a certain amount of carbs. So each meal was supposed to be 45 carbs. Um, Each snack was supposed to be 10 carbs. And I remember telling them in the hospital, this is more food than she eats now. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we were trying to, like, add extra carbs to her food. And um, we would dose her before, and then she would eat only half. And so then we'd have to make it up with juice and... Um, I, I remember it being really stressful trying to, like, we were forcing extra carbs in her. Yeah. Um, Your whole day. And was then about when she this, wanted to eat a certain amount of carbs, she couldn't because it wasn't the right time or right. it wasn't, it didn't fit into her food schedule. Um, so after we were home, we did that for um, a few weeks. And they actually had us calling in every single day hmm. for almost the first two weeks. We would call in at night. And tell them what her numbers were. And then they would make adjustments to her insulin because she was all over the place. Um, I pretty much figured out by the end of the two weeks, they were just guessing <laughs> what the amount should be. Um, but they kept lowering it and lowering it. And she was having a lot of really scary lows. Um, remember our first week home, she, uh, it wasn't, I wasn't supposed to test her yet. You know, I'm 
I'm still only testing her at the times they tell me to test her and she she wouldn't act low and so she was playing and I um, decided to test her. I think she would tell me when she was that little, she would say, I'm so tired, mama. Mm -hmm. And then I would know, like, oh, I better test her. And so she was 32 and she was just playing like nothing. And um, so very quickly they rushed getting a dex on her, which was a really good move for us. Yeah. Um, but she had a dex on within, within a month of being diagnosed. Well, that's, um, that's fantastic. But it, yeah. it, but what you described first, I want to go back to that idea of like, okay, you know, inject this much and give us a call because we don't know what we're talking about. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah. hey, hey, why don't you try this? Like, you know, when somebody starts saying, why don't we try this? You're in trouble. And they're and, just guessing. Yeah. Right. And you picked up on it really quickly, which is good for you. I still, for, it took me a while to learn that I could make adjustments and that I could do, that I would know her better than they ever would. And it, it took me a while to figure that out, that they really didn't know um, any more than I did. Um, what so, was the barrier to making that decision, do you think? For me deciding that? Yeah, like, what do you think held you back? Like, the first time you had the thought, what do you think held you back from just making the decision and making, you know, adjustments on your own? Um, I just don't think it occurred to me that, that that's what we could do. Mm -hmm. um, I think once I realized that they sounded like they were guessing, I thought, well, I, I could guess too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And I'm here. You know? So I might have yeah. a little more idea. Um, but, you know, I look back at the stuff they sent us home with, like her ranges, they had her... They didn't want her going to bed unless she was under, that she had to be over 180 to go to bed. Oh. Um, so if, say, she was 150, they wanted us to give her a snack before bed. To me, I've never seen blood sugars. I don't know what I'm looking at. I, like, I've, I followed them for a short amount of time, thinking that was normal, um, and definitely realized at some point that was not normal, and we do not go to bed <laughs> at 180 anymore. Um, um. And that was just a fear thing decision. I think it for them, for they them. wanted to keep her safe and, yeah. and that was safe, but really it's not right. Right. It's safe today. Um, not safe. Let's say right. it's, it's yeah. don't, don't let her die tonight, right, right. Um, but it's really healthy for her body. Um, so the interesting thing about her is after about each week, the insulin levels kept going lower and lower. Um, and at a, after about five weeks, I ended up taking her off all insulin completely. Oh, okay. Um, she had, she kept having so many lows, um, that it just kept decreasing and decreasing until they pulled out all insulin. Hmm. Um, so no Lantus, nothing. And like the second they did that, I, I ran with it and we switched to low carb and I figured if we can, however long we can keep this going, um, the better, like. You know, for a two-year-old to even have a few days of not having to get shots um, seems very appealing to me. Mm -hmm. So we uh, switched to low-carb, and she stayed off all insulin for eight months. Wow. So that her honeymoon was really long then. That's something. It was long, and yeah. I think we prolonged it with the, the foods we ate, and... Um, yeah. How did she do? How did she do with that at that young age? Like, what are some examples of foods she would eat that were low carb? So for her, she didn't. I don't know that she knew much different. Um, the whole family started eating that way. 
Um, I would, I would bake a lot of foods. We would make stuff like with, um, almond flour and coconut flour mm-hmm. and, um, stevia. And I try and make her treats and, um, like a lot of nuts and few berries. We cut out a lot of fruit. Um, at the t- now looking back at it, it looks and it feels really restrictive. At the time, it worked, and to me, the trade-off was you eat these foods and we don't have to take a shot. Um, so it worked at the time. Um, well, the whole thing had to be incredibly overwhelming for you because you're you're describing. First of all, you have. I think I forget now, 43 kids and, 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 no. and you have a lot of children <laughs> and, um, and um, other responsibilities on top of those children. And, and now you're, you know, she's eating at certain times and that's not working. And then all of a sudden she doesn't eat insulin anymore. And you go to this low carb and you're baking and you're cooking. And did this encompass most of your life? Yes. I pretty much lived in the kitchen, um, which at the time it felt worth it. Um, sure. Honestly, I mean, it seems silly now, but everything I, I, I wanted to read everything and, and family and friends were sending me information about how the cure is like right here. Like if we can just make it a little further, like the cure is, is any day now. Um, I don't live like that anymore. And, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in, in the beginning you, you kind of hold on to this hope that maybe this won't be your life forever. Yeah. No, um, no, I so completely I, understand. I really do. Yeah. I, I kind of had this feeling that if we can, keep this going for a while then and maybe she'll never have to go to shots again they'll have this cure by the time you know her honeymoon ends and it'll just be that easy yeah. <laughs> i'm so do you i don't know how was it crushing when you realized that wasn't what was going to happen or or did it just kind of kick you into another year of we need to take care of this in a different way um, a little of both maybe I think it was gradual, you know, while we, while she was off insulin, like low carb was the answer. And, um, you know, going back to why we chose low carb, going out there and searching for support, um, I ended up finding some Facebook groups and it seemed like there was two sides to the Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. So you had, um, the one more mainstream where you had people saying, I just let my kid eat whatever they want, but then they're they would show their graphs and the numbers would be insane. And I would think, I don't want that. Right. Um, and then I found the low carb groups where they were really restrictive and this is what they eat and they don't eat, but their graphs were beautiful. Yeah. And so with the information I had, I felt like those were our only two options. It wasn't an option to let her eat whatever she wanted and have good blood sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, I knew as much as I wanted her to be a kid and eat what she wanted, I didn't want her to have these wild, horrible blood sugars. Um, and to me, I didn't realize that there was another option, that she could eat other foods and have good blood sugars at the same time. Um, you know, so you, you, do what you, you do what you can do with the information you have at the time. Mm-hmm. And so those, to me, it felt like we're the only two choices. No, I understand. Um, so I don't know... I've never looked into, like, a low-carb option for Arden, but... Uh, but I did find something online recently where this person was saying, you know, here, look, this is my kid's horrible graphs, you know, before we went low carb and here's my kid's graphs now. And just as you described, Rocky Mountains on one side, the other side was like 86 and perfect the whole day. And, And I thought, okay, 
I see you're, first of all, probably picked the best graph you've ever had and the worst graph you've ever had to make your point. But I understand still the point is valid, right? If you, you know, restrict carbs enough, your blood sugar is not going to go up much if you're using insulin. But all it made me feel like was, like, listen, if this is a choice, I don't care. Like, let me be perfectly clear. If you don't want to eat carbs, I don't care. But, but, you know, but, but don't say this is what diabetes is with carbs when you clearly don't understand how to use the insulin to stop that from happening. Because then exactly. that's, that's a disservice to people. Because it, then you give them that feeling of either or. It's either horror or it's joy. There are no other options. And, that, and that's what you saw, right? Which was, right, yeah, right. It's, it's one it of the other. It felt like those were, mm-hmm. Absolutely I, it concrete. was like those were our only options was have horrible blood sugars and let her eat whatever she wants. Or have really good blood sugars and have a very strict diet. Yeah. Um, I didn't see that there was another option really until I started listening to your podcast. Oh. Um, and it just kind of opened my eyes to like, hey, maybe we can eat like we did before we were diagnosed and have good blood sugars at the same time. Because I'm not willing to to put her health at risk just to let her eat different foods. Yeah, um, well, certainly. But if I can do both, like... Yeah, let's do both. Let's right. eat normally and have good blood sugars, and that's what we do now. Absolutely. Um, oh, that's and so it's cool. Much better. I spend much less time in the kitchen. Um, well, first of all, I am glad for you, and uh, and I'm I'm thrilled that you've you found this out. I'm a little extra mushy about it because I just got I literally just got back two days ago from giving a talk to a room full of people, and this is what we were talking about. Um, I love that you found it and I love that it's that it's helping you but I'll I'll say that it's just a sad oh my god Arden just I texted her that I wanted her to bump her basil and her uh and and bolus a little bit and she didn't see it so I waited like a long time and I reset it again <laughs> and she goes dad a human can't possibly answer in that amount of time <laughs> I think she doesn't uh. understand that the uh, that there was a large gap of time in between when I sent it the first time and she didn't answer. <laughs> so anyway, I'm um, sorry. Yes, a human. As she gets older, her responses <laughs> get more thoughtfully um, jabby. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I look at my teenagers daily and think, I hope they don't get diabetes because that'd be a whole other challenge. Yeah, right. Diff- a different perspective <laughs> because yeah. their perspective is so different. And, and I know the same thing. Like my son's 18 and even though he's been around diabetes pretty much his entire life, he he wouldn't be like, oh, okay, I know what to do. He he would be one that would like, go kicking and screaming. So, um, oh yeah, my my son too. Yeah, yeah, and I get it, by the way. But yeah, totally. Yeah. So, but I'm sorry, but to go back to the idea of, I find it heartbreaking to think that you felt or that other people feel caught in that situation, like that that there's. Because I would do the same thing, by the way. If I thought that, I would feed Arden, you know, dust I scraped off the countertop with salt sprinkled over it. If I thought mm-hmm. that was going to keep her healthy for the rest of her life. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Because like how I'm, some of the foods might taste. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, w- I don't want to say, but I've had a couple of those. And wow, holy God. Um, <laughs> and listen. I could use yeah. less carbs in my life. We all could. <laughs> I think on one level or another. But there's a difference between lower carb and no carb. Like no carb is like you're talking about like almond flour, nuts, like you're talking about stuff like that. Like this is a very specific diet at that point. Right. And 
it, it limits a lot of your options. Like we would avoid a birthday party because, oh my gosh, they're going to have cake there. And I like, it got to the point where I didn't even know how to dose for those foods, even if I wanted to give them to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the further down the road you go of low carb, you're dosing for such tiny, tiny amounts of carbs, if you're even dosing at all, that the thought of dosing for like a piece of birthday cake, like I didn't even know how to do it. Right. Um, so it took a lot of experimenting in the beginning. And um, and, and we're still, we're still learning. Um, oh, sure. But, you know, different foods, I try and look at it as, like I remember one of the first not low-carb foods. We went out and met some people, and she had pizza. And she, I think she might have hugged her pizza. Like, <laughs> it, 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 you could tell it was like the best thing she had ever eaten, um, which made it totally worth it. But her numbers were not great after. But instead of thinking, I failed at this, and we're never going to eat that food again, I just took it as a learning experience for what to do differently next time. And most of my learning experiences were I need to dose more. Um, There was a lot of fear in the beginning of dosing such large numbers when we had not been dosing like that before. Yeah. Um, You know, so to dose for five carbs, which might be something we did before, now we're dosing for like 45 carbs Mm -hmm. in it. Um, and the disparity it between over. yeah the disparity between the amounts of insulin was probably shocking I would imagine right yeah yeah and those first few times felt really scary to dose that large amount um, but the more we do it the more comfortable we are at figuring out what dose works for different foods and um, how much she needs and um, you know each time we just learn a little bit better how to dose better for that okay, let me ask you how long ago did you start listening to the podcast. I love finding a suspenseful place to put an ad. Actually, I got this note one time from this one person who was really mad. And they're like, yeah, I'm always listening and then something gets interesting and then you cut it off and put the ad in. <laughs> I think of you every time I do that. I don't know who you are. I don't remember your name, but I remember this. Suspense bothers you. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> I used up most of the ad on that. I might have to start the music over. Hold on. Today's first ad is all about the Dexcom Continuous Glucose Monitor, specifically the G6. In the very next episode, episode 168, you're going to hear a 45-minute long conversation. It's a, my review of the G6 plus conversation with the Dexcom Senior Vice President of R&D. I think it's really insightful about how and why the G6 is in my opinion, a leap from the G5. But for now, all you need to know is this. If you wanna know where your blood sugar's at, where it's going and how fast it's going there, if you wanna be able to see that remotely for your loved ones, if you wanna be able to make the kinds of decisions that you hear us talk about on this podcast every day, decisions to keep blood sugar stable and low, take away spikes, and if a spike comes, make dealing with the spike easier. If you want all of that data, all of that information that helps those decisions be so easy and painless, then you really do want the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. You can go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. You can click on the links in the show notes. You can go to juiceboxpodcast.com and click on the links. But one way or the other, you need to get yourself some more information about the Dexcom Continuous Glucose Monitor. And those are the ways to do it. Most of the things that I accomplish with my daughter's type 1 diabetes, with her A1Cs, which at this point now are four years of 5.6 to 6.2, I could not accomplish those things without the Dexcom and without the Omnipod. 
but the ad today is about Dexcom, so let's focus on that. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox with the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. Do it. You will be happy you did. Let me ask you, how long ago did you start listening to the podcast? Maybe a year and a half ago. Okay. And you're, you're still you're still figuring it out, right? I mean, plus she's still small. It's, I mean, five or six years old is, it, what, what do you, I mean, I'm guessing. She's tiny. 50, she's, um, 40, 50 pounds. She only weighs 38 pounds. Wow. Okay. So she's, yeah. So little bits of insulin have a big impact on her. She doesn't have a ton of body fat to distribute the insulin with and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's a bit of a a slog, right? Right. Trying to figure it right. out all the time. But, but I love what you said about not giving up and just taking, Hey, this is what happened. And now we'll just make an adjustment for next time. I, uh, I, I have to say it made me smile when you said it was like, she <laughs> almost hugged the pizza. I was like, that's, that's oh my gosh. great. We, she had an extra piece that she, she wanted to bring home with her and like, she had to hold it. She didn't even want to put it in the box to bring it home with her. <laughs> She's um, like, no one's taking this from me. <laughs> yeah. But it was at that same time that I thought, oh my gosh, I don't want to give her these food issues of like, she needs to hoard her food because she might right. never eat pizza again. Mm -hmm. um, and I noticed that a lot when we first switched over, like she was so excited to eat a certain food that she had never had before, or it had been a really long time since she had. And I don't see her doing that anymore. Um, like it's just not a, as big of a deal when we have a treat or she gets to go get an ice cream or whatever, yeah. um, which is what I want. You know, I don't want her to have any kind of food issues. I remember one of the first podcasts I listened to that you had was a lady who came on and um, you guys discussed diabulimia. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, I do not want her to grow up with any kind of food issues or um, just any issues with food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a big changing point for me of I need to figure out how to dose her and get over being fearful um, so that she doesn't think any differently of food. There's a give and take in there. I mean, there's going to be times where I, I, I go through it, you know, periodically too. We put a pump on yesterday that just must not have been a great place for it. And it took a while for it to start working the way I wanted it to. I don't know if it was in a muscle or, you know, too close to a right. muscle or something, whatever. And so I adjusted the insulin and we're good now, but first number of hours it wasn't great and we came up on a meal and i was fighting with like this 150 blood sugar trying to push it down and then the meal came and i was like okay i'm pretty certain this isn't going to go well but i'm not going to ask Arden not to eat this food so right. i just gave her you know i over and i covered it the best i could and eventually it broke and i got her blood sugar back to where i wanted it to be but i think it would have been much more dangerous to, to create a conflict with the food than to let her blood sugar be 180 for a couple hours. Like, you know, right. I would, that right. to me is a, a trade-off that's worth making. We, we run into that a lot being five years old. Sometimes she just she doesn't have the patience to wait for, for a, a pre-bolus like mm -hmm. I would like to all the time. And, and so it is a balance of like, just eat it and I'll figure out the blood sugar and maybe I'll increase your basal or I'll figure out a way to make it work, but just go ahead and eat it. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully as she gets a little older, there's a little more understanding of maybe waiting a few minutes or um, getting the timing better, but it, it's tricky when you're five and 
You no, don't want to wait for that snack. Yeah, you're like, uh, how about now? How about now? I there's a couple. <laughs> f- you can get away with. You can get away with under pre-bolusing and over bolusing. You know what I mean? Like trading right. extra insulin for less upfront time. But there are some right. foods that are just, you know, it doesn't work as well. Like you can't, you can't make that trade off with a bowl of cereal. Uh, you know, for right. instance, you, you know, that'll cause a low later. You'll have to use so much insulin upfront to stop like, you know, Apple Jacks from, from doing something like that, that later right. you will get low. But for and the most part. And thankfully when it's a meal, I can sneak in the pre-bolus before she even knows she's waiting. Um, you know, as I'm making the food or after we order the food and uh, then when it arrives, she can just eat. And to her, she didn't wait at all. Right. Um, I got the pre-bolus in and it all worked out great. It's usually with a snack, which tends to work out better anyways without um, as big of a pre-bolus. That's interesting. And you're making me think of a story someone told me this weekend. So I, I wish I knew who told me this now. I, I spoke to so many people this weekend, but uh, somebody was telling me they had a friend with a, like, a toddler and they'd pre-bolus the meal. But one time the pre-bolus got out of whack and the kid started falling before the meal was done. So she gave the kid ice cream, like an ice cream sandwich or something like that. Right. And then the kid figured out, <laughs> right. Like I can get, yeah. this is how I can get ice cream. And yeah. it became, it became like an issue. And so you're saying that you can get away with pre-bolusing a meal because you know the meal's coming, but snacks, if it's just a snack, there's no cooking time for the snack. Like, okay, you push the buttons, now give me the thing in the package or the or the banana or whatever it's going to be. Um, that's really kind of interesting. What kind of pump do you have? Is it a pump? It is. We have we are on Omnipod. So she know, um, but she knows when you're you can't do it without her noticing. I guess. Oh, I can. <laughs> she doesn't pay attention. Just pay attention. You know. Well, that's yeah, that's. I'll, really... I'll dose her, and she doesn't even really pay attention to what I'm doing. Oh no, kidding. Okay, all right. Yeah. Sometimes I have to ask her to come closer because she's over somewhere playing, and it, it won't read that far. Um, usually, she's not really paying attention to what I'm doing. I wish there was. I wish you all could have seen. Like for people who have Omnipod, you have to be with a reasonable distance of the pod to to use the, you know, the PDM, right? And, I feel like we have to be so close. Well, some days, <laughs> I'll tell you, the pump that Arden was wearing last time, I felt like they had to be touching. And the one before that, I can stand in my dining room and do it through the floor up into her bedroom. So it's right. it's like, you know, some of them are, you know, different. Maybe it's where they're shielded on their body. I have no idea. But what I was going to tell you is that many, many, many years ago, we were contacted by Omnipod and they were working on the new PDM, which at this point now is the old PDM that's about to be replaced. And I got, we, they asked for Arden to come down and fill a pod and do everything. They were just trying to, they needed data on little kids using the PDM for the FDA. So Arden goes down and she does it. And the guy setting up the thing goes, Hey, do you want to see something? Look what they've done with the distance. And he took the pod, walked out of the conference room we were in, down the hall, went into another conference room, pushed the button. He said, go ahead and I'll deliver a bolus with it. And it was working like 40 feet away. And I thought, wow. oh, God, this is amazing. And then when it got back to the FDA, the FDA made them restrict it back down to a, to a, oh. a closer distance. And I was like, ugh. Bummer. <laughs> but I got to see it for one afternoon, and it's it would have been really cool. <laughs> I, I don't know why the FDA made them do what they did, um, but I have to admit it would have been great if it worked at distances like that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
Anyway, I'm sorry, I got off on a bit of a tangent. You made me remember this very happy <laughs> no, moment where you could bolus from anywhere in the house because at that distance, I probably could have like set temp basils from my bedroom. And oh, that'd be perfect. That was exciting to me, the idea of not getting out of bed. But okay. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So let me so <laughs> so when you look back on Low Carb in your in your experience and you look at how happy she is to have things that are not low carb, is it is it a flavor thing, do you think? Like, what do you think is the difference? Really? Mm-hmm. It tastes better. <laughs> you know. <laughs> White flour, we, fat, I mean, stuff carbs like that. Good. <laughs> carbs do taste good. You're right. They do. Um, I think part of it is just the freedom thing of, like, being able to go out if we want to or, like, hey, let's all go get an ice cream or, um, like, having the piece of birthday cake at your friend's birthday party. Um just the freedom to like, I'm not scared to dose for any food that she, that she wants to eat. Yeah. You know, within reason, I don't want to eat birthday cake for breakfast, but sure. You know, it just, the freedom of being able to, um, we're not scared of food. Um, where I think there was some fear before, like, I don't know how to dose for that or, um, we can't eat that. And now there's just that new freedom of, um, we're not held back from food or what the food options are. I always worry, like my bigger like concern is, and maybe it's unfounded, I have no idea, but if you spend your whole life eating that way and, you know, insulin is just this thing you give in tiny little bits and you don't, you know, to your description, don't really know how to bolus for other, you know, items with more carbs. In right. It. What happens when your kid becomes an adult or goes to college or goes away for the weekend and everybody's like, I'm eating pizza. And they're like, I love pizza, I think. Let me try. And then mm. they, they are wildly unprepared for how to manage that food with the insulin in any way. Um, right. Like, I think you should understand as much as you can about diabetes because you it's easy as a parent to look at your five-year-old and you have more children and, you're, and you have an older child too. But when you have little kids and just little kids – there is a time in your life as a parent where you have this very unreasonable expectation that you are building the exact person that you mean to be building and that they're going to launch out into the world exactly as you mean for them to be, <laughs> you know, and uh, it doesn't really work that way. You know, no. you know, like you're building a foundation for a human being. They are then going to leave your house immediately. The bright sunshine of freedom is going to hit them and they're going to start making their own decisions. Hopefully they'll make them sort of in line with the things you've been telling them, but it is unreasonable to think they're going to continue being your eight-year-old for the rest of their life, which, by the way, is not something you would actually want to begin with, even though it feels like it's what you want when they're eight. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. having a 17-year-old, I could not more clearly understand what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so, yeah, they're, they're going to become their own person, and they're going to do what they want. Um, yeah. yeah and, <laughs> and, and they need tools, right? So they can't right. – everything can't be – and you can break it down. Forget low carb. It could be anything. I'll tell you right now. My my son's 18. Uh, he's going to leave for college in, gosh, if I cry, th- th- don't hold it against me, May, June, <laughs> July. My son's going to leave for college in less than four months. Wow. Um, he's going to go to his school and he's going to play baseball there. So he's been talking through social media with all the other boys who are coming in on the baseball team. And they're all trying to get to know each other. But moreover, they're trying to find roommates. And... And my son comes to me about two weeks ago and he says, I think the guys are all getting ready to like pick roommates. Like I have to figure out who I want. Now, 
what do I know how my son's going to do? Like, my son's not a drinker. He doesn't run around and party, like all this stuff. Like, he's a pretty, and I know people think, oh, yeah, you think that, but you're going to have to trust me on this one. My son's, this is who he is. And so he comes to me one day after school and he's texting with this kid. He goes, I think I found my roommate. He goes, we agree on religion and politics and he doesn't drink either. And I was like, the part of me who thinks that I might be able to launch my eight-year-old into the world exactly the way I want him was like, I'm winning. I'm so winning (laughs) right now. But still, (laughs) that doesn't mean that's, you know, I don't mean to say that six months from now, my kid's going to come home with like a fairly horrible drinking problem and a heroin needle in his arm. I don't think he's going to go that far. But but to think that he's going to get through college without ever wondering what a beer is, is a little unreasonable, you, you, you know? And so I've given him both sides of the conversation, not just the side that I want him to stay in. And I think yeah. about that with the low carb, like you can't not understand insulin. And, right. and if you're just, bo- listen, I've had days when my daughter's sick and she doesn't eat. Diabetes is really easy if you're not taking in carbs. It's, you know, it's super easy actually. And so, Except um, when you're sick, and then it just throws that whole curveball of diabetes doing what it wants to too do. Too low? Can I tell you? I'm very lucky. Arden doesn't get low when she's sick. So it's just dumb luck on our, our side. Like when my daughter gets a head cold, I'm like, ooh, four days off from thinking about bolusing. Because she, her blood sugar stays incredibly steady, and she doesn't need as much insulin for reasons that I don't understand in any meaningful way. But Juniper uh, just spent five days in the hospital because she was had a tummy bug, and... Um, she couldn't keep anything. Her blood, even if she would eat, she wouldn't absorb anything. So, um, you know, you don't feel like you're like eating when you're throwing up, but she would be throwing up and then I would have her eat something and she would eat 50, 60 carbs and she would still be in the fifties. Wow. So we had her, her basil turned off by 85%. Um, and she was still like in the forties, fifties, um, so they had us turn her pump off completely, which was not, Ideal I don't think, the either. best idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I even told them that. And so we did. And then, of course, by morning, she had large ketones. And um, she was in the beginning stages of DKA, even though her blood sugar was in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to, we spent five days in the hospital where they could have glucose in her IV. And it was the only way we could keep her blood sugar up. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Uh, it really does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. But she says they have really good chocolate pudding, so it was okay. <laughs> Can you imagine how easy it is to buy off a five-year-old? <laughs> She's like, if we could go next time to the hospital and I don't get the IV, I'd be totally cool. Yeah, just the pudding and just then the we roll in and, and out real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I know that does happen to a lot of people where you just – like Arden has bouts where her blood sugar will hit 50 and – you know, it won't come back up. It feels like no matter what you do, but these are a handful of times a year and it only lasts for an hour or so. Like we don't have right. like that kind of, um, but I know a lot of people do. I, yeah. I, that was by far the worst we yeah. had, but um, you know, it happens sometimes. Isn't it funny too, like the situation that you got put in, because when they said shut the pump off, you're like, that's not a good idea. We always need insulin, even if our, even if, and right. yet, and yet you felt like I'm assuming there was just no other option at that point. Yeah, I think it was like, here's your last option before coming into the hospital. and Let's give it a try. I knew it was not a good idea. Yeah. Um, But at that point, I couldn't turn her pump back on either because I couldn't get her out of the 40s, even while she was eating. Right. Um, So we couldn't give insulin. So once they got the IV and the glucose running, then we could give her some insulin 
um, because she had the glucose in her IV. Yeah. It all balanced out. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a little bit of function of her her size too and her age and yeah, maybe being a little bigger will help you with that. And plus, you know, there is this other thing too, like, you know, we've only ever experienced what I think is, it's not, it wasn't DKA in the, in the way that was um, told to me by a doctor, but we had a, um, a pump failure overnight one time. Um, And Arden woke up in the morning and she gets out of bed and she's like, I don't feel good. And I'm like, okay, and we test, and her blood sugar is in the 300s, but it's not overly high. Um, but right. still, I'm like, this shouldn't be. So I look at the pump, and the pump, the cannula, like, kinked or something, or I don't remember what it was. But put a new pump on, got insulin going, and she was sick to her stomach. And I said, look, I said to my wife, I'm like, in the amount of time I think this has been, I mean, she's going to have to go to the hospital. You know, like this, and checked her ketones. Her ketones were, were out of whack. And... My, my daughter's like, I don't want to go to the hospital. Is there anything I can do to avoid going to the hospital? I said, okay, if I give you a couple bottles of water and need you to drink them, I'm going to bolus an incredible amount of insulin. And when it happens, and it's going to happen, your blood sugar is going to fall. When you're not feeling well still, I'm going to absolutely need you to have to force some food in to catch right. to catch this. I said, if you think you can do that, then... I'll try it. And she was old enough to make that decision. Like I will eat when right. I'm sick. You, you know what I mean? But if she was younger, she would have never, I couldn't have even had that conversation with her. You know what I mean? Like, and she definitely wouldn't have been able to right. choke past it. Cause drinking the water almost killed her. Like, like she was drinking right, that yeah. water and she was like, Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and I'm like, look, we can just go to the hospital. She's like, I'll drink the water. And I'm like, okay. I actually had a very similar conversation with Juniper. In a life where so much is difficult, something needs to be easy. Something needs to be an oasis. I think the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump is that oasis in a desert that is type 1 diabetes. To be able to get your insulin delivery, to be able to control your rate of basal insulin without being tethered to something, to me is huge. I know when people think about moving to an insulin pump, the first thing they think of is, I don't want to be attached to something. And Omnipod keeps you from feeling attached because there's no tubing, there's no device that you're tethered to, nothing that you have to wear on your belt or jam in your bra or something like that. It's just this little tiny pod that just adheres to your skin and it's got everything it needs right inside. I think that's nice. I think that it's nice for something to be easy and just work, right? Don't you need that sometimes? Don't you just need something to just do what it's supposed to do, do it well and do it without being a burden. I feel like that all the time. Just sometimes you're like, oh, can't something just go the way it's supposed to? Well, the Omnipod will go the way it's supposed to. And you know what? That's saying a lot for a medical device. It does what they say it's going to do. It does it well, and it does it without burdening you. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, or click on the links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. And Omnipod will send you out a free, no obligation demo that you can try for yourself. You don't have to believe me. You can actually hold it and decide for yourself. I actually had a very similar conversation with Juniper. So she had been sick for about two days before. 
And each time she would not eat or drink something, I would have to have the talk with her. Like, we're going to have to go to the hospital uh, if you can't drink this juice because we cannot get your blood sugar up. And she would always choose like, okay, I can power through. I'll drink this. I'll eat this. Right. And it was the morning that we went into the hospital where she just, she was like, I can't. And I was like, we're going to have to go to the hospital. And she was like, okay. Yeah. Like, that's how you know she really can't. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's the sign we need to go. Right. <laughs> So, uh, you know, even being at five, she, she was making those choices and she definitely reached the point where she was like, I'm done. Can't do it. Well, that's, listen, <laughs> that's pretty heady for a five-year-old to just be like, okay, I've tried and now I'm done. And eh, I guess it proves, yeah. um, I guess they do grow up, uh, uh, too quickly when they, when they have diabetes for sure. Hey, they so you, are you from California originally? I am. Do you say what? I feel like I'm saying water incorrectly when I'm speaking to you. I, my kids have, <laughs> I love the way you say it. Yeah, my kids have made me completely like <laughs> mental about a couple of words <laughs> from the Philadelphia East Coast area. And, and I'll say it and they'll be like, you mean? So I live in a place, it's like a meeting point in between a bunch of areas. And because of the kind of businesses around here, it draws people in from a lot of different areas. So my kids don't have the Philly accent that oh, okay. I, I grew up with. Um, right. And, you know, things like sports. Like, you know, where, where I grew up, people watched the Eagles play football. You didn't watch another team play football. Right. Um, but around here, people are Giants fans. They're, you know, some people like the this, they like that. They, oh, Cowboys and Patriots are like that kind of an idea. And my kids are not thrown off by that. I'm like, you know, as a child – we would have beaten those children for, <laughs> for you know, for, for liking a different football team. And so it's the same with dialects. There's dialects coming in from everywhere. And now my children know to correct my, my bad pronunciation. And now I, funny. I think about it now. And the podcast is are always good. I'm sorry. sorry. Our kids are always so quick to correct us if we am. Um, yeah, it's not you know. nice. It, <laughs> and the podcast is incredibly popular in California. As a, as a matter of fact, I think if I had to, if you want to take a detour for a half a second with me, yeah, I think of all the states of the in the United States, it is, I think, the most popular in California, and I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't why. know why that is exactly. It's interesting, um, but it is, yeah, it is true. I'll use just this month, right? Do the last thirty days, and I'll look real quick. Far and away. Maybe, I'll say maybe triple the next closest state in downloads. I wonder, I, I don't know if it's That's the sheer, sheer size of California or if, I've always wondered if it's, um, if there's more progressive thinking that, like, I, I can yeah. never figure out exactly what it is. Like when you share your idea with another person with diabetes, if they're like, hey, right on, I'll give that a try. Whereas if that happens somewhere else in the country, people are like, no, it's not what my doctor said and I'm not going to do it. I always wonder what it is, if it's just the sheer size of the population or, or if there's something more um, sense, a sense, a, a sensibility that's different, maybe. Anyway. Yeah, that, is, that is an interesting thing, uh, yeah. trying to move away from listening to what your doctor suggests and or tells you to do. Um, I think that's, that takes a while to, to figure out that you know best. Mm -hmm. um, we actually had an interesting thing happen when Jean was in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I, I battled a little bit with the, the night nurse who came in and the, the things he wanted to do was just not acceptable to me. Um, he was going to check her blood sugar every single hour with a finger poke. And I was like, she has a DEX on. Like, why are we doing that? And uh, there was a few other things. And so we 
we definitely had some words and um, the doctor came in in the morning and I thought she was going to scold me for Sticking arguing up for with the nurse. Yeah. And um, instead she came and she was like, that was really awesome what you did. Like that is so needed. You have to advocate and you're going to know your kid better than anybody. Um, and in order to keep your child safe in a hospital like this, you have to be a strong advocate for them. And um, I think that is so important and something maybe people don't realize that they they're going to know their child better than even the doctor sometimes. Yeah. And for and ad- adults with diabetes, just the right. same. Right. Anyone. Um, but, you know, our kids who need us to be the advocate for them and um, we do know them best. We're with them 24 hours a day and I handle all of her diabetes care. Um, so that was interesting. I was, I was glad I was not in trouble. Good but, for you. No, um, I, I think, listen, I, I advocate for that on the podcast all the time. Like you right. absolutely have to just speak your mind without acting like a lunatic, um, you know, because it's easy for people to discount you if you seem crazy. So, you know, you, and, <laughs> yeah. and plus you have to realize the situation you're in. You're in the hospital because something went wrong with their diabetes. You're like, listen, I'm really good at this. And the person's probably thinking, are you? Because you're at the hospital. And, so and what's <laughs> interesting when you go to the hospital, at least with the children's hospital we go to is every doctor that we end up with, um, they come in after already looking at all of our A1Cs. Oh, and yeah. so they came in and she was like, you clearly know what you're doing. You're handling everything well. Like, we can see the circumstances that you're here for this reason. And, you know, we're going to let you have control of her diabetes while you're here. That's not why you're here. But I do think they see a lot of kids who are not well managed and then they have to take over. Um, so they could see that we were in a situation where they didn't need to take over her diabetes management it was just that we needed that little extra help with the IV. That's great. Um, so they they let me still do like I'd handled all the dosing and yeah. Um, Isn't that it? That's incredibly. Uh, that's an incredible insight into the process because yeah yeah because they felt like they had a, a you know I guess for the lack of a better term they had a report on you and that and that report proved out that you must at some level know what you're doing and so they felt more comfortable allowing you to keep going with it. Right. That's, it's funny because so they were they came in and they were impressed with our. All right, Wednesday, so that was good. I do a similar thing with uh, 504 plans at school. Every every year we have a meeting, I take a right. minute to thank the school for their flexibility because of what it leads to for Arden's health. And I show them, you know, numbers. I'm like, look, here, this is, you know, here's here's normal, here's where she is. You know, this is due in large part to because you're allowing me to manage her the way we do through text messages while she's at school and just giving them that idea that, that the way they're treating me is benefiting Arden. It makes them, they feel empowered. It's because it's interesting because in the way we do it at school, I've taken all the power away from them, but they still feel empowered by it because the result is so good. Um, right. Like I've I've talked them into believing that their decision is better than their action, and and it's true. But I show it to them. I think you did a similar thing. You didn't. Maybe they checked on you first, and you didn't know. But I think it's good for other people to know that you can say, "Look, this is an anomaly." Um, most of the time, we're you know this is our understanding of it, and we need to be involved in the decision still. Um, right. Yeah, you know, that's a it's a great point. I'm glad that came up actually. So while we were mentioning A1Cs, I just wanted to tell you or anyone listening that, um, you know, we managed a really good A1C with low carb, um, but we are now eating anything and everything and still have a really good A1C. 
So for me, I didn't think that was a possible thing in the beginning. Um, and it is. It's just about understanding how to actually use insulin. Um, and you can eat anything. Uh, it's just not with the tools that they gave you in the hospital. You know, the tools they give us in the hospital, and then we walk out and we try and let her eat normal foods, and she would be 400 later, and then we can't correct for three hours, and it was a nightmare. Um, having the right tools, uh, like the Omnipod and the Dex, and then having a really strong understanding of how the insulin actually works, you can you can eat what you want and have a good A1C. It doesn't need to be one or the other. I appreciate you saying that. Can I ask you, and you don't have to um, give me numbers, but what's the disparity between um, with carbs and without carbs, the A1C? Like, what's the gap? Like, I don't so need to her, know you went from five to nine or something like that, but what's the difference, like the number difference between the two? It's, it's minimal. So her last three A1Cs have been 5.9. Um, and when she was low carb, she was about 5.0 to 5.1. Um, you know, so we're not, we're not perfect. We, we're still learning with different foods and, um, it's still, I don't know if it's because of her size, you know, sometimes it's not totally predictable, um, mm -hmm. but we do our best and we, I know how to correct if things don't go right. Or, um, I've definitely learned to use temp basils in the past year or so, which is a game changer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's huge. Like, we figured out like pre-bolusine when we go out to eat is really tricky with her because she can, um, the timing of it and trying to time the food is, is tricky. And, you know, we've done it before where the food doesn't come out in time and then dropping with double arrows and we've got to like quickly find some other food for her to eat before her food gets there. And it throws everything off. So now we'll use a temp basil sometimes and we'll, I'll like increase the temp basil by hundred percent to get her blood and sugar moving without bolus. Get it to start moving without yeah. actually giving her a, a pre bolus first, and then as it gets closer to where I feel comfortable, like all right, the food should be here in a few minutes, then I'll dose her. But then I feel comfortable that I can I can shut that off if you know the food takes forty five minutes and she's dropping too quick, I can turn it off. Um, Lisa, you are I, you are my proudest moment uh, so far. No. <laughs> <laughs> like you really you really took to the information like really well. That's it's so, so commendable. I, I'm, I have a question for myself, I guess. Um, but two, I have two questions. So going yep. back to what you said first, can you explain to people that while your daughter's eating carbs, your graph is not perfectly flat. Like it used to be with no carbs. Am I right? It is not. Right. I mean, when we were eating low carb, we had a perfect straight line most of the time, but now there's some um, spikes, you get them back quickly and you still have an A1C of five nine. Exactly. Yes. Um, you know, we, we try and keep those spikes down using temp basils and pre-bolusine, but it's not perfect with, with a five-year-old, like I was saying. Sometimes she doesn't have the patience or she wants to eat right now. And, um, you know, we, we work around that and having the right tools, like being able to, I don't know how you could do this without a pump, but um, having the tools, like a pump to be able to, to do the temp basils. We use temp basils every day. Yeah. Um, and it helps so much with controlling those spikes or... If we see she's starting to trend low, we can we can decrease. Um, but we use our temp basils every day. That's that's been a game changer for us. And I just didn't understand how to use those. Mm -hmm. And really, until I started listening to your podcast. Um, cool. And a lot of it is just experimenting, like not being scared to try it out. And the thing with temp basils is you can always just shut it off if you feel like it's not going the way you want it to go. Yep. I'm a lot more bold with a temp basil because I can shut it off at any time. Right. Um, so if I'm if I'm not sure about bolusine a huge amount, 
Um, I'll start with the temp basil. I'll do a mix of the two. Um, but no, we don't have perfectly straight lines. But, you know, if we do spike, we come down fairly quickly. Um, like the other day, we had a huge spike. She was playing and she pulled off just part of her pod and we didn't realize it. And she kept rising and that was bolusing heavy and she just wouldn't budge. And I finally looked and I could see that the cannula had pulled out a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it wasn't a like crazy panic moment. We fixed it. She was got a new pod on. We bolused heavy. We set a tent basil and she was back down in range with, you know, within a pretty short time. That's excellent. Um, nothing. There's not such panicky moments anymore. We know how to handle everything. Yeah. And it's just learning to be comfortable with, with trusting your skills and, um, and using the tools you have. Like I, I hear so many people who don't, who have pumps, who don't use temp basils because they just don't understand them or they're scared of them. And that is such a great tool to have yeah. and not use. Yep. It was my first thought when I got a pump was like, wow, I could like be in charge of the basil insulin finally. Yeah. yeah. That, that, I mean, like at night we've been using them. Like if I see her start to trend down and I can oftentimes catch it before she actually has to eat something in the middle of the night which is huge. I'd much rather just like shut it down and um, not have to be feeding her in the middle of the night. You know, it doesn't always work. And sometimes we still have to, to, to feed her something. I tried last night. So I temp two examples of temples, basils in the last couple of days. One was Chinese food where I didn't think Arden looked as hungry as she was. So I thought she needed 11 (laughs) units for the, for the Chinese. Right. So I normally would just give her 11, set up in some sort of an extended bolus and, you know, work it out. But instead I gave her like eight of the units and then I doubled up her basil for like an hour and a half to make up the other three. And mm-hmm. sure enough, like 40 minutes into this, like, you know, extravaganza with the Chinese food, I was like, she didn't eat as much as I thought she would. And I just shut the basil down. Right. And it was perfect because the insulin wasn't in yet. And yet we were still being aggressive up front and it didn't result in a spike. And it was really a really good example of using it and then being able to shut it off. Last right. night, last night I did not. I I get sick in a very strange way. I I don't feel well a couple times a year. Then I fall asleep, wake up five hours later, and I'm well again. Much to the my wife hates that about me. <laughs> my and, husband is the exact same. Right. So I traveled this weekend. I came downstairs last night. I was doing the laundry last night because that is my job. And I came downstairs at eight <laughs> o'clock, ready to watch the Sixers game, which they lost. So luckily, I didn't actually watch it. And I came down to the into the into the living room where my wife was and I took a blanket and I jammed myself into the corner of our sectional and I said, um, I'm either going to be okay in a little while or this is where you're going to find me dead. And I, and I, and I covered <laughs> up and, and she's like, whatever. And, um, whatever, and, whatever. And, and Arden had a little bit of a, a peak when I was, when I was out cold and my wife's not, she's, my wife's really getting it, but it's, she's getting it slower because she's around it much much less. Right. And right. so she had a little bit of a peak and she got to come down. Well, when I woke up at midnight, completely healed, by the way, um, when I woke <laughs> up at midnight, I kind of took over and I looked and her blood sugar was 72, which I was thrilled with. But you could tell right. she had been drifting down over a number of hours very slowly. And I looked at the 72 and I was like, all right, I'm going to shut her basal off for a half an hour. I think I can catch this and get her back into like the 78 range. 
And I'll tell you what, a new piece of technology kicked in. So we're using, we have the G6 now, the G6 I from know, Dexcom, I'm right? Jealous. You should be a little, and I'll tell you why. So I shut the basil <laughs> off, and it's a little bit of a crapshoot at that point. Like, I wonder if this temp basil is going to work, because I got to it a little too late. Right. And diagonal arrow down, 66 diagonal down. And that's a moment where I still would have gone back before with G5 or before. I would have said, let me wait a little longer. And what would have happened is that little longer would have turned into 61 and then 55 and then a low. But instead, right. instead the Dex beeped and said, um, I forget exactly how it puts it right now, but it said that you will be at 55 sometime in the next 20 minutes if you don't. Right. Mind. I've seen that. The and I was like, low. I was like, oh, this is amazing. So I went in and I gave her like three quarters of this tiny juice box and boom. 65, leveled off, went to 70, 72, 80, 100, 102, I think. And it leveled off like 20 minutes later. And I was like, oh, my God, this thing's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so now it's just like another, feels like another tool. You know what I mean? Like another weapon to to get in a fight with. And it worked so well. I was like, wow, that's fantastic. So I'm going to talk more about the G6 at some point when I have a little more uh, time with it. But I cannot wait to hear about it. We've... uh, We've got our order in. We're all approved. We're just waiting. <laughs> I hear June. This will be out afterwards. So um, I can say I think they're going to start shipping more around June 1st. And then. Yeah, that's you know, what they told me last they'll week. They'll be coming after that. So, pretty hot and heavy. We're looking forward to it. It is pretty cool, though, I have to say. And I'm actually going to. Um, you know, to go back to what we talked about, about even when you're really in good control, you see you see peaks during the day. I'm actually going to put the G5 on myself and wear it for a while just to see what it oh, looks cool. like when you don't have diabetes. Because I've uh, I've worn June's decks before, and um, it was interesting to see uh, what a working pancreas looks like. Did it stop you from eating any specific foods? Was well, there... No, I kind of wanted to challenge it and like see. How... <laughs> you yeah, challenge I your pancreas? Stuff. You mean you're like, yeah. can you handle this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's see what you're going to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm incredibly amused by that for reasons I don't completely understand. <laughs> yeah, it, it was interesting. It, um, Your pancreas held up. Are, yeah, I did. It's <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. Uh, well, Lisa, um, we are over an hour. Um, you were fantastic, and I really appreciate you saying this. Because if if the low carb people hear this, they're going to kill you. So, <laughs> oh yeah, we we've been banned from some low carb groups already. Did you did you try? So let me ask you before we go. <laughs> did, w- once you saw the other side, did you feel like this compulsion to go back and go? Oh my god, it's not true! And then they kicked you out. <laughs> <laughs> no, they kicked me out before that. Um, <laughs> I see. Did you see them eating pizza? They are banned. It's a, it's a little. I hate to say it. I met some really nice people on those mm-hmm. groups, but um, it's a little cult-like. Like, um, and for a while, it was like this is the only way. But you you like step out of that cult culture, and it's it's not. And I I do wish that I could um, that they would look and see like it is possible to eat how you want to eat and have good numbers. Um, I think there's a lot of fear in and dosing such large numbers. And um, there's a lot of thought that, well, it's just, it's safer to do it this way. Yeah. And, you know, I feel confident as being her caregiver that I am watching so closely all the time that, that she's not in danger. Um, you know, I can always um, 
like you always say, I can bump and nudge things and I don't feel like she's in a dangerous spot for eating normal foods. Right. Yep. Um, it's, it's not a dangerous thing to dose the amount of insulin that she needs. And uh, it just, it takes a while to get to that point. But yeah, I've, I've been banned from some of those groups and that's okay. <laughs> I've, they came after me once. I think I mentioned what was in Arden's lunch once and then I got hit pretty hard. But I'll say it again here in case you're listening. Today, it's a grab bag of <laughs> Cheetos, uh, a full-size bagel, a bunch of grapes. How many? I don't know. Um, <laughs> let's see what else. Oh, thin Oreos. I don't know exactly how many. I just grabbed what appeared to be about two inches of them. And uh, what else is in there? There's a carrot in there. And, oh, a mixed fruit cup, but low low sugar. Something else. I like else. the carrot for good measure to like, counterbalance the, I also the Cheetos. Th- I also, th- yeah, Cheetos and a carrot. <laughs> you should see how this kid is. She's built Get like your an orange Olymp- foods covered. Yeah, she's built like an Olympic <laughs> athlete. She's just little and well, she's not little anymore. She's getting bigger, but she's very muscular. And uh, it, I must be doing something okay. She's incredibly healthy. So um, I think you're doing very well. Yeah, yeah, thank you. <laughs> and and so um and how much will I give her for it? I have absolutely no idea. I'll just wing it, throw some in. If it's not the right amount, we'll do more. If it's too much, we'll do less, and we'll just stay really fluid with it. And it's going to work out great. Now that is the other thing I have taken away from you that I have to tell you. Thank you. We used to measure everything, and everything was so precise, and and you, it still wouldn't be correct, right? Right. Um, now it's so much more. I don't measure anything anymore. Um, it's all based on, like, the type of food she's going to eat, like, how active has she been today? Do I think she's going to eat it all? Um, there's no more measuring, and <laughs> that's really nice. For people listening, if you would all just figure out what Lisa's figured out, I could stop doing this podcast, and I would get a lot of my free time back. So everybody, please, whatever she did, you do it too. It's nice to not be so compulsive and and, and anal about measuring every single like gram of food. I have a eat. hard enough time because measuring Because you know what? Food. I measure, and right. then she's not going to eat it all anyways, or maybe she's going to want more. And but did you, you throw it back on the just, scale? Like, and... with it. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, especially with a five-year-old, you don't know how much they're going to eat. Like, right. you know, start with a certain amount. Add more if they eat more. Yep. You know, it used to be like I'd kind of panic if she wanted extras. And, like, you just, you, you got to be able to roll with it. And um, having the right tools is is huge. And being able to do that, you know, being able to just add a little extra insulin or increase the basil or um, or decrease it. Like, if she didn't eat all of her food, it's, it doesn't need to be, like, a panicky moment. I hope that it makes you feel better that the reason I was able to pass that on to you is because that used to be my life. Like I was like, I'd measure something <laughs> and then she wouldn't eat it. And then you were measuring back what she didn't eat. And then like, how do I make up for this? And it's all just oh. nonsense. Uh, but it, yeah, that is really You're like, I'm I measured cool. that out precisely. You need to finish that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it didn't work anyway, right? Like, I'm not hungry. Yeah, it's so, I started my talk this weekend by looking out at a really nice group of people, a full room, which I was, by the way, for anyone who was there, thank you, because I saw some people speak to empty rooms, and that's a horror I would not want. Oh, um, yeah. But but so, um, I started out by saying, it's this type 1 diabetes thing, it's all about understanding the insulin. It's all about timing yeah. and understanding the insulin. Once you've got that, the rest of it just falls into place. And uh, I'm just really thrilled that it worked out this way for you. Yeah. And, and and not being scared to experiment and, and try it. Yeah. Don't look at it as a failure, but, you know, a, a stepping stone to doing better next time. 
I'm totally grateful for you coming on and saying this. I uh, I hope people understand that I do so little interaction with people who even want to come on the podcast that all I know is like Lisa told me, she's like, I want to talk about life after low carb. And I was like, cool, that'll be good. I genuinely didn't know she was going to say that the podcast helped her with it. You probably don't believe that, but it's true. And um, I'm, I just thought it was interesting to hear from somebody who ate low carb and then didn't. Um, but this is. Well, been I'm pretty sure we've officially been banned from any low carbs we hadn't groups <laughs> that we had not been banned from before. But well, I have a cool. Facebook group. You can come on, Lisa. It's fine. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We have we have our own Instagram page. We have plenty of friends there. <laughs> yeah, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll be fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. and staying on extra time. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was fun. Cool. I I couldn't agree more. I'm always grateful when someone comes on and shares their story so completely and honestly. Lisa definitely did that today. I want to shout out to Juniper. Hey, Junebug, what's up, kid? Thanks for letting your mom come on the podcast. Thank you so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox with the links at juiceboxpodcast.com. We're in your show notes. Hey, you know what? I'm on Instagram, too. Lisa can't have all the Instagram followers. I deserve some too, right? Check me out for the podcast at Juicebox Podcast and for my type 1 diabetes blog at Arden's Day. But you can also check out what Lisa's doing too and everything that Juniper's up to. She does a lot of cool stuff for a little kid. I put a link in the show notes for their Instagram. T1 Junebug. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Thank you for rating the podcast. Thank you for being a part of the podcast by helping to build the community that the podcast thrives on. I'll be back next week with another episode.